up and welcome to Difficulty Class, a show where we gather around this podcast table in your ears and talk about some dungeons and dragons. Each week, we or a listener like you writing into difficultyclass at gmail.com, come up with a topic, question, encounter, or anything else somehow related to RPGs and have some fun talking about them. I am one of your hosts, Allie Deitchman, and with me this week is... Trevor Bettis. That is right. So... Let's hop right into it. Trevor, you brought the topic this week. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm bringing the topic. <laughs> <laughs> so you should go ahead and introduce it. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, hey, listeners, it's been a bit. We, we, did, we did a game. I hope you have fun listening to that. Yeah. But now uh, I want to talk about something that I'm, I think we've only ever talked about in passing. <laughs> and maybe once before when we talked about another game system. And that's crunch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I realize some people may be listening to this and they may be newer to the, the you know, TTRPG community and whatnot may not know what crunch means. I mean, like, your book's crunchy when you open it. First off, don't buy that book. No. Um, that has had water damage. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's not, not good. Um, no, crunch is kind of the... Uh, um, slang for heavy mechanics mm-hmm. uh, of uh, uh, it, it's those crunchy numbers where you got to sit there and you got to get a calculator out and crunch some numbers to make sure you're doing the thing right. I'm mean, that's not a joke. Allie did that. Um, uh, yeah, often. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there is. From what I have seen anyways, I don't know uh, about you, Allie, but I've definitely seen a divide in the community of people who love the crunch and people who don't love the crunch. There's a few interspersed that are like, eh, whatever. <laughs> um, but I, I definitely fall into one of the two camps uh, on either side. Uh, but I wanted, to, I, I wanted to talk about crunch tonight. I wanted to see, like, get our feelings out on it and talk about, like, where D's going with it right i mean it's uh, good timing not to toot your own horn or anything like that but the sage advice <laughs> just came out talking about how they're going to be reviewing a lot of like how they're going about D and the stat blocks and all that good stuff too mm-hmm. and uh it, it feels like D is leaning away from it briefly but yes. uh they might be leaning back <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I mean, like you're you're solidly in one camp. I'm actually uh, I'm on, I'm on the midst. I'm in the cusp mm-hmm. because I appreciate it for some things, and I appreciate throwing it away for other things. So it's like <laughs> I, I I got I got I got I got the perspective of both sides there that I appreciate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like. I mean, you and I both started in fourth edition, which was pretty crunchy. Yeah. Overall, Very. and and um. You know, then I moved on to Pathfinder, which is, you know, the crunchiest of the crunch, in my opinion. Pathfinder 1, yeah. Yeah, Pathfinder 1. And then, you know, it got 5th edition. We played that. And later on, you joined the, the, the Pathfinder game that I had going with that other group. And it took me a long time to, like, really figure out, like, Pathfinder's not doing it for me, and I can't figure out why. Mm. And I I was like I thought of like all these things I'm like maybe maybe I'm doing something wrong maybe uh you know it's it's like oh maybe it's this maybe it's that and then I really sat down and thought about what when I, while I was playing fifth edition and I was like oh I can do a turn so much easier <laughs> um I like I was a fighter in that uh in the original Pathfinder game. Well, the the original original was actually Tara running it, which was very much rules light on some things. Yeah. Um I mean she she definitely did do the crunch cuz she likes it, but she also didn't do it in areas where she didn't like it. Um but when we were playing like rules as written, I was having trouble as a fighter like even remembering like okay, uh I got to activate uh, power attack, which gives me a negative, uh, well, at that point, like later on in the game, like negative 10 to my attack and then a plus 15 to my damage. I think that's what it is. It's been a while, but it was a negative to get a positive. And, um, but then that type of bonus didn't stack with another type of bonus. So I actually needed to take some off of my original bonus to add on that new bonus. So it wasn't as much, it, it like, it was stuff like that. 
that I just couldn't remember. I couldn't wrap my head around it. I, I always ended up being told I was doing it wrong. Not and, not, and they were nicer than that, where it's like, you know, it's like, <laughs> oh, you did it wrong. It was just like, oh, that's not how that works. Hey, listeners, I unplugged my headphones and ruined everything. Um, <laughs> okay, so what I was saying uh, is that, yeah, like, essentially, because of the crunch of it, I had a much harder time remembering what numbers go where, which numbers can apply when, which numbers cancel each other out. And it was just so many things on top of each other. And God forbid I get anything put on me by an enemy. Oh, I've got a negative two because of this thing. Oh, I can't uh, swinging against this guy gives me a negative five penalty. And like trying to take all of these modifiers negative and positive and add them on top of everything I, I i couldn't i couldn't keep it straight and it didn't even help writing it down for me because they changed so often yeah and and, and i mean then i didn't help later in, in our pathfinder campaign where i just said screw it and became a bard because then i just gave all of you extra math uh. <laughs> <laughs> i mean uh playing in fourth edition that's where i kind of started with the crunch was like i remember Ben playing as the cleric and just he would have like seven like tented cards that he would just put out on the table as like signals like hey you get a plus one not like everyone's like person specifically but he would like if it's your turn and you get that help he just puts the card out and you're like ah I gotta add that too and <laughs> I took the I took that for the Pathfinder 2 game because I play a bard and so if I'm barding and I have the composition cantrip up that gives you guys either the plus to the defense or the plus to attack and damage. I have that little tent card <laughs> in front of mm -hmm. the little video <laughs> in front of my face, usually. It's like, please don't forget to add this. Because apparently plus one makes a difference in this game, which I never thought would happen, but it does a lot. <laughs> because of all the crunch, you don't expect a plus one to happen, but it does. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, here's I, the I thing. I relate like, to that, though. The like when it comes down to it, and I'm not going to go into you know big depth on this, this could be a whole other episode. But like, I did realize that it's because of my ADHD mm -hmm. that I won't remember it, I won't think about it. Your tent thing is a fantastic idea. I go, it, it get, totally fades into the background for me, I do not notice it. You're, yeah, yeah. I, I can see a pink thing there, do not even think about reading it. Yeah, I mean, like, if we're in person, it's a lot easier to, because it's like, I would literally wave and point at it. No, I, I would have to, ha I would literally have to have my own tent and yeah. put it on my sheet. I would have yeah. to just put it smack dab in front of me. Like, I have, I have played around, well, w towards the end of when I was playing in the second edition game, which I did end up having to back out of for freelance reasons, um, I was playing around with the idea of literally having note cards for my character. Mm -hmm. Because, um... And, and I mean like a specific note card for each thing that I could place out and look at. But I even worried that it would fade into the background with that. Because like I had I had an ability that was um, Battle Cry that you when you roll initiative, you um, uh, make an intimidation check. I, I had it for four months and I did it three times maybe. Yeah. Because I just never remembered it. <laughs> but for some reason, in 5th edition... I can remember my stuff so much better because there's not as much stuff to remember. Yeah. I mean, like I've done a lot of zero to 20 kind of games where it's like, Oh yeah, let's do a level 21 shot. And everyone kind of looks at all the veteran players kind of look at, a, at each other thinking, is that a good idea? Cause we don't know what any of these characters do, but then five minutes into the game, after you've done your first like intro or a little bit of encounter, you're like, Oh no, I know what this character does. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's like, D&D's uh, entry, entryway into like higher level abilities is so much easier to grasp and understand. And it's not because it builds on each other, but just because there's so much less of it. Yeah. <laughs> like with, with, with Pathfinder 2nd Edition specifically, I got a feat every level that let me do something. By the time we're level 15, it means I've got 15 levels that let me do things. 
But as a rogue in 5th edition, like when I pick my subclass and stuff, it means I do this one thing really cool and I keep getting cooler at it. And I will constantly remember that I can do that cool thing because that's the thing that I do. And it, and it's not even like, oh, well, wouldn't that get boring because it's repetition? It's like, no, because you can't do it that often. Yeah. And you need to be more careful about when you do it. Um, and like, uh, what, what was one that I was thinking? Oh, like, um, for warlock wise in, in the, the game that we're almost done with, we're almost done with the academics. We, Ooh. we killed the dragon. Um, I will go into how we did that later it involved in a movable rod and unspeakable places. Um, <laughs> so as my warlock, I'm a celestial pact warlock and I have a D six dice pool healing thing. And I will never remember how many D6s I have. Thank you, D&D Beyond. Uh, but I remember that I have it. And because that's the thing that I do as my Celestial Pact Warlock. I heal from a distance with a D6 of some sort and, you know, the amount. And all that it does as I go up in level is I get more of them. I can do it more often. I can do it better. And... Whereas in Pathfinder 2nd Edition, I have so many different things that I can do that I cannot remember them. So I think it harkens back to the same issue that I had with 4th Edition as far as recalling where what, all the things I could do. Um, you kind of set us up when we when we did that flashback to 4th Edition, that one game, right? Mm -hmm. You gave me all my encounter powers. And then I'm like, all right. And then I laid them all out on the table in one spot so I can see them all at the same time. Mm -hmm. uh, the difference between a D&D &D character sheet and a PF2 character sheet is you can have literally your entire character ability concept on that first page in D&D. &D. Yeah. In Pathfinder 2, at least the base game character sheet, unless you go on and you like look for one that specifically does this, it's like three or four different pages. Mm -hmm. Oh, by the way, I do I do want to clear right out. I know we're kind of picking on Pathfinder Second Edition, but that's just the two games that we have most recently played. <laughs> I mean, like Fourth Edition did this entirely too. Like everything yeah. that your character could do was nowhere near that first page. That first yeah. page was just your shield. Was like how how can you take this damage and how yeah. much damage are you taking? <laughs> and, and and to be fair, like in Fourth Edition, I was always the DM. Like mm -hmm. I always had paper in front of me to write stuff down and whatnot and so i could remember it because i had it written there um and i had you know a stat block that i could look at um i th i do think as a player i would have struggled in fourth edition super hard yeah i mean like i did struggle i remember my first character which was like this level one cleric had six pages to her yeah <laughs> yeah i still have that that sheet around here somewhere and I think that's why I'm so picky about my character sheets and I'm so picky about D&D mm. &D Beyond too and why I can't really play it because if it's on paper, I literally have everything right in front of me and I can see all my abilities. In D&D &D Beyond, even though I know it's supposed to be like super accessible and super easy to understand, I struggle so hard with that yeah. <laughs> interface. Like I'm like, I don't understand how to do this. I know I can do this, but I don't understand how to do this in the... In, I don't, I don't know what my character can do. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's so funny because I, I, I would struggle without D&D Beyond. Just straight mm -hmm. up. <laughs> like um, playing Laura Lee online, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, she has a ton of utility things going on. And all of those utility things are within a tab <laughs> on the character sheet that I can't easily assess. And plus, I don't have like three screens. I only have the one laptop. So mm -hmm. it kind of makes it difficult to get there. And I always for end up forgetting something unless I'm not paying attention to someone who's playing at the time because I have to spend two turns looking at my character sheet to figure out what I'm going to do on my turn. And that that for me is what's tough is when that that's like, like I said, that's why I'm so picky about my character sheets. And <laughs> it asked Spencer, like if there's a if there's the weird character sheet that someone pulled up somewhere, I complain and I make them print another one. <laughs> Just because that's how I am. I need it to be a certain way because I've always I've always had it way. And it, it's what makes it the most accessible for my 
for my for me to play and yeah. for me to be able to use all the things my character can do. And I think that's mm-hmm. that's one of the key things in game design, especially when it comes to RPGs. Like that's one of the things that uh, the monster of the week really has a good handle on. Yes, it's like, hey, do you want to know all the things you can do? Here's your page. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, the, like really, when you step away from D and D and Pathfinder, there are so many other games for me that work on a non-crunchy, like like an almost no crunch whatever level Mm -hmm. that succeed in places that I feel both D&D and Pathfinder fail on. Monster of the Week is one of them. Fate is another one. And like, really think about like talking about like, I need note cards and shit. That's literally what Fate is. It's like you have a (laughs) character sheet and someone's writing with a Sharpie on some postcards in the middle of the table and you can see everything that you got going on there. So... Now that you've brought up fate, let me let me let me come at you from the other side. Okay. <laughs> uh, I I mentioned earlier about how I'm kind of like in the middle, and fate is a great example of why I still need a little bit of of that little bit of crunch. Mm-hmm. Um, I struggle with fate, not only because I for some reason my brain can't grasp the whole like if you succeed this many ways it's a certain degree of success my brain can't comprehend the degrees of success thing i don't get that <laughs> i can't think of it on the fly i always have to reference the paper and then look at it and then do math on my fingers and i still don't get it so fate i feel is too open for me and my mm. style of play so when it's like oh you could do what you want i'm like but what are my options <laughs> <laughs> And I kind of just struggle and I don't know what to do for unless I play that character for like a year straight. I don't know what that character would do if I was left for just complete openness. I'm not that kind of great at improv that I can I can decide this character would do this without some limiting options Mm -hmm. and without some specific options that I can go into. Yeah, I like. Um, I, I do think that that is one of the big things, even with fifth edition and especially with the changes that Jeremy Crawford talked about, you know, today recording, not today you're listening to this, mm-hmm. um, with that, um, that I know people had problem with. I know because like, I, I, I ended up talking to someone that did, I'm not naming names or anything like that. And I'm not bashing you. You were fine, but they, they, they had a problem with, um, specifically the alignment um uh, well no actually originally it was specifically like the fact that they that jeremy crawford said that they were no longer going to give specifics on like age when it came to like uh racial traits and stuff like that Mm -hmm. um uh and even the alignment being like typically they're this um and they they were saying that because they need some place to reference they need some place to go off of. And it was funny because I sat there and I went, I genuinely don't know the last time I looked at alignment on, on anything ever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, so, I think it's probably been at least four years, <laughs> five years, five years. Yeah. Uh, and, the the but, sage advice that they put out regarding that whole alignment concept was that they were saying, don't mind the thunder and lightning here. Yeah. It's, it's just straw <laughs> hanging out where we are. <laughs> ominous. Yeah. <laughs> Um, is that they, they were talking about how a lot of DMs would take it to heart. Like, oh, this is this alignment. Therefore, this is this. And so they're saying, well, we wanted to take that out and just basically add in the word typically for those that are extremes, like a demon would typically be chaotic evil. Yeah. Uh, Because they wanted to remind DMs because... In the player's handbook, those stat blocks are like in the when you're creating a character or when you're making a choosing a race, it even says like, oh, they're typically this. Good. <laughs> they are typically spooky. This, <laughs> this is our first spooky season episode, too. So oh, it's perfect. Happy, yeah, hey. happy October. Um, but but no, like I, I, I get what you're saying there. Yeah, and, and, and in and, the master and, manual, they don't have that reminder anywhere. They yeah. only had the hard cut. This monster is this alignment. And so they, they want to lean towards just including the word typically to remind DMs that it doesn't have to be that way. Well, and and I, I the, tying this back to what you were saying about fate is I, I feel like 
the reason they're doing this is because of the extreme opposite of where you are with fate, mm-hmm. where there are there are people, too many people, in my opinion, that are like, no, they are this because the book says it. Yeah. And there's no in between. And, and, I, and I feel like that's possibly where they're coming from with this of like, well, we we're putting that in there. So there it's not a, you know, hard rule. And, and I think that's kind of where I end up having trouble with some super crunchy games where people say, you don't have to do all of the crunch. Mm-hmm. And then there's me on the other side. It's like, you, you know, can, you, you can just assume things and, and not have to have a hard and fast rule on it. Yeah. Um, like with fate, yeah, the, the, they give you some generalized skills and stuff like that. You can make up whatever the hell you want. You'd be like, I am, I am a, a a cell phone wizard, and so you have points in cell phone magic. Like it's <laughs> it's like you you can just do whatever the heck you want. And I know that that is that I've I've heard people like, especially with fate, with like you may as well just be making up your own rules. Like there's no point to it. And I know that there are people that have a problem with this kind of loosey goosey thing where crunch definitely satisfies what they want more because they feel like if there isn't enough rules there, they may as well just be, you know, making it up and doing whatever the heck they want. I mean, funny enough, we were talking about alignment. Um, In the end, it kind of goes towards, do you lean more towards structure or do you lean more towards freedom? Mm-hmm. So it's like which 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 direction do you prefer? And I guess in the way I'm I'm neutral all over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I like I I'm. What, what's funny is is that I don't like crunch because I I do feel like it is more is the possibly for me the most detrimental thing to telling a story with your friends because I love having a d twenty tell me the chance of something happening or whatnot, but I don't need like 43 numbers on top of it to, you know, weigh whether or not that D 20 is going to succeed or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, an, that that's one thing that will never not make me laugh about crunchy games. It's when it's like, all right, I roll a D 20 and add 41. It's <laughs> like, what? Yeah. Do you remember Spencer's uh, character sheet when he was a gunslinger? In, in yeah. 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 He ha- he rolled a D eight for damage, and then he added fifty eight. Uh huh. <laughs> I'm like, what are you I don't, doing over there? <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't compute to me. Like I I'm yeah. I'm like yeah I I would I would rather have a game where there were no levels and things were just difficult, um when they needed to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and there's been times where something cool in the plot can't happen because there either isn't a rule for or the rules just straight up say that's not something that could happen even though it makes complete sense that it would happen right now and i would rather just say screw that it's a cool story than worry about what the rules say but like i'm not saying throw out the rules completely um the the thing that i ended up saying to this this person today was i'm like it it you can make up whatever you want as long as the people at the table have fun. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's really what it comes down to is if everyone at the table is having fun, I don't care if you made up whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, rule number one, have fun. That's, that's yeah. what it comes down to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but, I totally get that. And it's, I mean, that's why I think D and D is trying to lean away and lean into the idea of like, you could do all this and this is all just guidelines really, but uh, do what you want. And people are an, like an uproar about that mostly because they're like, well, if you're going to throw it all away anyways, why not just play a different game? And it's because people do like structure in certain bits and D and D is like canonically as rules as written, right. Allowing mm-hmm. you to throw away the bits that you don't like. Yeah. And a lot of times games don't work anymore. If you throw away bits of it, <laughs> Yeah. And so D&D is one of those games where it's like, if you don't like a bit, you can throw it out. And most of the time, it'll still work. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where people are thrown is because there's so little crunch, so to speak, to D&D as is. Um, and they're they're trying to suggest that you can get rid of it entirely. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't... I don't think that is completely wrong. No. Um, 
for instance, I'm I'm not going to name uh, game names here, but there there's there is a board game that Tara and I played that is fairly crunchy. Uh, it has a lot of rules in it, not so much the numbers, but a lot of rules. Mm-hmm. And we played. Oh man, we must have played like four or five sessions of it and realized we hadn't done an entire mechanic in from the game. Like like literally a whole board of the game that was supposed to be there for all of those things. And I was like, I didn't notice. <laughs> it was still difficult. And but we had fun. Why is that why is that here? This is the cursed episode, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> spooky. Spooky. It's so spooky. The episode keeps trying to take itself out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and by that, I mean it's my headphones. Um, <laughs> and yet we persist. <laughs> and yet we persist. We must. We must persist. I, I could blame the thunder. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, you know, kind of taking a step back from, from all of that stuff, like, really... I, I'm I'm not gonna sit here and say that like crunch is bad. I'm never gonna say that. People enjoy. It. I know they do. They have they have a fun as hell time with it. It's just I don't, and I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I I definitely have over the last like five years or so leaned more towards. I think a uh, a fun story is more important than how much you add to your thing to do the thing. Yeah, I mean, as a definitely from a DM perspective, I'm starting to get to that as well because uh, when I started my Neverwinter campaign, I remember thinking about like, well, I should probably limit like how this works. I should do this this way, and when it levels up, it'll do this. And I was thinking about that like for the sake of you know the 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 harrowed game balance in the universe, mm. right? About how it's like, oh, I should make sure this isn't too powerful. <laughs> and then I'm now sitting at level 17 and they're like, hey, can I talk to my familiar even though I'm not near him? And I'm like, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't worry about it. I'm like, you're more than 100 feet away. I couldn't care. Yeah. <laughs> like, like what, I, what's the difference? <laughs> but I definitely think that you and I uh make up for this by just throwing deadly ass shit at our players. Yeah, I kind of go extreme. <laughs> like like I I like that's the thing. Like one reason why crunch for me isn't a big deal. Also another reason why and one reason why I I definitely lean further away from Pathfinder is the fact that eventually monsters are useless. <laughs> <laughs> like you can like I can throw a bunch of goblins, like a shitload, a ridiculous amount of goblins at my level 13 players, and I can still mess them up. Mm-hmm. And But in Pathfinder, they will never hit me. Ever. Yeah. Like, even especially with second edition, where even if you roll that 20, you still have to hit the target number of their AC. They'll never <laughs> hit me. Ever. <laughs> um, And so I... I I can do more stuff with fifth edition in my opinion, because it is less crunchy and I make up for that by not looking at stat blocks and just throwing whatever the hell I want at my players. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of a key difference though, is that between the people that do genuinely encounter build and the people that I remember those days. Yeah. And the people that, uh, create an encounter, (laughs) Mm-hmm. You know the difference between encounter building and creating an encounter. <laughs> yeah, uh, there, there are there is a huge difference, and one is, yeah, that looks like a good enough creature, and the other one is, how many of these creatures can I throw? Would it be balanced for these two players? And this player also has this ability, so I should probably include this creature as well. And then you do math, and then you Ugh. reference Xanathar's Guide. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, and then D and D Beyond has its own encounter builder now. And yeah. it's like, it, which is which last time I used it fucking lied. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I have this many players at this level and they're like, oh, don't do this. This this will murder them. It got a turn. Mm-hmm. It As got usual. one turn. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, like, <laughs> that was the other thing I remember someone talking about recently was the, the whole discourse about, like, I don't even track, like, HP. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I think we should totally talk about that right now because I, I think that is definitely part of this. Yeah, I mean, it's part for the course of crunch and numbers. Like, um, <laughs> tracking HP... I, I, the last time I tracked HP the regular way, like starting from their max HP going down to zero, I was probably when they were level four. <laughs> really? Yeah. I've, I've started going up. <laughs> I, if they deal 20 damage, I write 20. If they deal another five, I write, I now add 20 and five together and they've dealt 25 damage. And when they reach a point where I think, yeah, that'll do, this creature would probably go down with that much damage taken. Then I decide the fight is over when someone makes a cool hit. I am so surprised. <laughs> I did not know you did this. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I do it this way for a couple of reasons. One, because adding is way easier than subtracting. And <laughs> two, if someone's like, oh, how much damage did I do? I could actually look back at the numbers that I'd done. And I'm like, oh, is this much? <laughs> um, and then... <laughs> Like, if someone says, like, oh, I dealt 16 damage, but it's, like, halved, I'm like, oh, well, all right, I can mark that down easy. And especially the part where it's, like, oh, I can decide when it'll it'll be over, ne not necessarily, like, exactly when, but mm -hmm. about, is because uh, I remember Anthony Joyce talking about this recently, about how he wished there was more of a HP range on the uh, monster stat block mm. as opposed to a dice like the 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 hit dice the yeah. hit dice concept it and doesn't make sense anyways yeah the only thing it does make sense for is like oh certain abilities are referenced in stat block I'm like hit dice I'm like ah fuck them so like <laughs> <laughs> the, the range would be so much more helpful because I've done that since gosh as far as I can remember when they were over in Black Lake like uh, the bandit. Huh. So this bandit was been has been tired. So he's got like 10 HP less than the other guys. <laughs> I so, have never. I'm so shocked that we've never talked about this before. I, I like I'm not doing an act here. Listeners. I'm genuinely learning this <laughs> for the first time. Yeah. Like none of my monsters really have the same HP. They're in the same like bracket as in like, oh, yeah, I have. <laughs> I wish I could. I'll probably post because I'm going to be playing next week. I'll, I'll post when I do my initiative tracker and how I do all the health. A little behind the scenes thing because I usually don't post that. But um, so y'all can see what that looks like. Because I literally ended the last session we played in the middle of a fight. So this is perfect opportunity. <laughs> so like, okay. I, I, oh my God, I just realized I have my notepad here too. <laughs> <laughs> I have the, um, a clone. I'm not going to name the, the, the name of the clone because that's a spoiler. Mm. Um I have 29 plus 16 on there. So that means the clone has 45 damage taken. And looking at the stat block, I'm like, <laughs> the clone's health is only like, only like 40. <laughs> but this clone is supposed to be like this all-powerful thing that required them to be extra careful about things. So I'm like, he's going to hang out a little bit longer because that one-turn situation mm -hmm. ruins the pacing so much. It, yeah. doesn't, it, it doesn't, I wouldn't say ruin it, but it halts it. It's like all of a sudden the players are like, oh, well, that was that was it. <laughs> and so I can like keep track of things. I could also see who's like actually doing the big hits. And if someone has had a hit on a person yet, I could see that as well, which is why I like to add up and keep track of the numbers as they go as well. That's but oh, I see after this whole conversation we had, I never would have guessed that. Really? That you do that because <laughs> because to me, that is a level of improv of deciding when something should die and not following a preset thing and even having taking a step further where it's like when there's a cool moment for it to die. Mm -hmm. I that's interesting because I don't do that. I, I absolutely use the HP stat block. Yeah. I mean, the greatest example was Saphir's father. Um, they went through literal, <laughs> the what is it uh orcus's domain <laughs> hmm. to find the man and to take him out because he was planning on possibly destroying magic as is mm. and so sphere like had a personal vendetta against him simply because like 
he kidnapped his daughter. He did all these things. He was responsible for the murder of his wife. And it's like, he has to have that revenge. Technically, <laughs> Saphir's dad died three rounds before Saphir could get in there. <laughs> oh. Because Saphir was dealing with three other large creatures in that, that same one, fight. That that that, that would have been uh, the uh, Jon Snow stuck with a dragon and it's very anticlimactic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it's one of those moments where I can't take this away from my player because it, would, it wouldn't yeah. feel good. And I'd rather beef up the bad guy for the sake of the story and pacing than being quote unquote true to my players and not quote lying to them about the health. Cause See, I know that's, that's an... what people were talking about. They were like, well, you shouldn't do that because uh, it's, you're being unfaithful to your players. You're lying to them about what health these enemies have. And I'm like, well, there's a balancing act because you can't make Mr. Goblin have 115 HP yeah. just because you want to fight to go on forever. It's, you got to make sure that you go, you do things at a right pace. Yeah, there, there's an interesting thing with that, with the like, again, going back to like, you may as well just be making it all up where it, it, it feels like if that for some people, if there's not crunch, if there's not a number, if there's not a rule there's nothing stop that th they just immediately assume malicious intent from the dm and yeah. that to me as a dm is heartbreaking yeah like i just want to i just want to find that person and be like who hurt you <laughs> like i just like you need a hug like i i mean sadly I, the answer to that is probably a malicious dm yeah and man like <laughs> uh man of people i want to yell at uh <laughs> <laughs> like it, it it's it's unfortunate that that is the way it is and but i i and, but i do think that there's also another thing for it where the rules the numbers and all that stuff let the adult person playing this not have that feeling like oh i'm just playing on the recess field mm -hmm. like it's it's definitely I, I do think that there are some people who are like because I've I've seen the, the term make believe get thrown around and I'm like, guess what? That's what you're doing. <laughs> like all like really all that's different about what I do at the table with my friends and what I would do on the recess field are dice and better plot lines. Um, <laughs> I still think the voices I did back then were pretty good. Um, and, and like, I, I know people have a problem with that because they're like, I'm not, a, this isn't childish. I'm not a child. No, cool. You're not that, that like, it, it's not again, you're, uh, you know, it, like the worst thing that would have happened on the recess field is that someone was like, I am Luke Skywalker. And then somebody chopped off his hand. Like that was the worst thing that could happen. <laughs> on the recess field but over here we're just like i fucking sliced this bitch's head off <laughs> like this guy's going down um like it it is definitely something different and and even as a kid you didn't talk about stuff on the recess field the way that people talk about their DD games nobody reminisces about something they did a, a, like a make-believe as a kid the way that you do about your character because you know, even though I, I sit here and I say, like, you know, if, if if you're plotting out everything your players do, you're a writer. You know, you're not planning out a campaign is you are essentially sitting there writing a fantasy story, like a fantasy novel. And hang on a second. Uh, sorry about that. Um, and so there, there was there's a level of the the make-believe thing that I think definitely ties into you, you're just making it up, you're lying to your players and stuff like that. And, and But I again, I think that just comes down to what you want to do with your game. Um, yeah. I, like, I'm, I probably will try out the whole, like, just adding numbers and things. Because I do, I like your method of, of adding up. And when it gets to a certain point, that's where it is. I've also... Uh... <laughs> it's it's brilliant idea for dms who play quote in the open without a dm screen because you can just keep adding numbers 
the players don't know when that number is going to stop. <laughs> so they don't know when that it's going to get true. closer to zero. Uh, so it's like, I remember playing with Ben because he doesn't play with a DM screen. He's just like, he's writing numbers out in the open. Like, oh yeah, you guys did this much damage. And we're like, he's still alive. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, especially for rolling open, mm-hmm. I think that is such a cool idea because that, that kind of adds like this more like monster hunter vibe to it where uh, you know you're doing a shitload of damage, but you don't know how much uh, health the monster has. Like, every time it goes down, it's a surprise. You could be sitting there saying, like, that computer is fucking lying to me. (laughs) (laughs) And, and like, that's kind of the funny thing, because for all you know, the computer is. Like, I mean, why trust the computer? (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's a thought I never had about Monster Hunter before. Like, oh yeah, Monster Hunter doesn't let the monster die until you've completed at least three cool actions upon it. Until you've at least hopped <laughs> on it once. Until yeah. you've seen another monster come in and do a territory war. You know, it's like... Yeah. And then it'll allow the monster to go down. <laughs> like, I... I, I and, and, and I know there's people out there who's like, oh, well, the fight's going to take too long. And here's the thing. Here's another reason I don't like Crunch. I hate long combat. <laughs> either kill me or let me kill it. Like <laughs> that's essentially what it comes down to. Like when it, when it, when we're getting into like, you know, two hour plus combats, I can't, I just can't. I like, again, going back to the ADHD, I will check the hell out. Yeah. The fight loses all meaning. It loses all tension. I don't care anymore. I, I've I've been in a combat. No, Ike, this wasn't yours. Uh, I've been in a combat where I was sitting there going, I hope my character dies so I can leave. <laughs> I am so bored. Yeah. I mean, and, like, that also depends on the table, too. Because, like, some tables, they prefer the dungeon crawl, the encounter. Oh, I, sh- I should say, Wiz, that was also not yours. <laughs> the The... the what was it? Like eight encounters per long rest. What's the normal amount of encounters that D and D says oh. it's supposed to be? I don't Some know. Some ridiculous thing that I'm like, oh god, that no. No one agrees to. Yeah. <laughs> Except for the few people that do plan every single encounter and are writing a little bit of a book. Oh yeah. I, I have heard of people that adhere to that how many encounters per day between rests and stuff like that. And they're still doing like Tyranny of Dragons. And they started <laughs> it when it came out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a little rough because, like, technically the game was balanced around that idea, which is probably why you and I throw such large and like yeah. daunting things at our players because we don't adhere to that guideline of yeah. like, oh, have a lot of little encounters. And initially, that's where I was like, what I was talking about earlier about how. I was trying to do the whole game balance thing. I'm like, well, I'm not doing that many encounters, so I should probably have them use this much resources in this way instead. So that way it still balances out. Mm, And in the end, it's just not fun to -hmm. do that. And the players aren't getting any more challenge out of it. They're just like shrugging and saying, okay, well, now I can't use that anymore. And they're carrying on. (laughs) Yeah. it Like... Uh, let's see here. Okay, so so here here's a good example. Uh, some of you listeners out there may have listened to the the most recent episode before this, the second part of Hotel at the Edge of the Multiverse. The ending of that had four level ten players versus a pit fiend, mm. and they fucking annihilated it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a challenge level twenty. Yeah. No, don't matter. And, yeah. And, and and like the thing is though, is that like uh here, I, I can actually go find this information out right now because I have access to DMD Beyond and I have his character sheet. Um <laughs> Uthal got hit like three times, I think it is. No, oh, no, I need my campaigns. And that was like I think 17 damage each. So for <laughs> For all that I make fun of Pathfinder 1 as far as its action economy goes, like how many how many arms does this bear have? Eight. Oh, dear Lord, it has eight attacks. Like for how much I make fun of them, they had a point because Mm. in D&D, 
it doesn't matter about CR. It doesn't matter about anything. It, it, what matters is the action economy. That's what determines if a fight is going to be hard or not. Mm-hmm. And that's like the only actual crunch I put into my <laughs> encounter building is like, well, how many actions are my bad guys going to have versus my players? Mm-hmm. Because if I want a fight to last only one and a half rounds, I will have one big bad guy that should be way overpowering them versus all five of them. Because before mm-hmm. the bad guy even gets a turn, <laughs> they're going to wipe out more than half its health, which yeah. is why it's important to throw in things like the uh, legendary actions and such, because then mm-hmm. you get extra action economy, which is purely yeah. why I think they made Oh yeah. Actions is well, to that, that's that action economy. <laughs> that's because the the quote unquote solo uh, enemies of fourth edition got wrecked. Yes. Because they didn't have the action economy to do it, and mm. and I definitely think like layer actions and stuff like this is slightly off topic, but like I think the layer actions is a better way to do it because yeah, when you have one enemy in Pathfinder that's like I attack you twenty times, that doesn't feel good. Nah. It gets its normal three attacks, and then it gets like three attacks. After one person, or after one player, then another player, then another player, I I, I do enjoy that. And plus, it leaves like, oh shit, is it gonna do it? Mm-hmm. How many how many actions does it have? Um, but but I I went and looked at uh, Saint James's sheet. Uthal had fifty one health total. <laughs> um, at uh, oh sorry no no total was eighty. He got healed up so so he had eighty three health. So he got hit three times for seventeen damage. That's half his health in one turn. Like. It is still deadly. Yeah. But it went faster. And and that's and that's kind of my whole thing with the crunch where I'm like, I would rather have faster, more deadly combat, excuse me, than have just long drawn out fights. Yeah. And I feel like the number the increasing numbers and and things like that draw it out so much that it's just it's not interesting to me anymore like like think think about uh um monster of the week when y'all were fighting the thing in the the hospital that was a cool ass cinematic fight mm-hmm. i i like you, her walking down with with the cane and whatnot and i think you rolled dice like three times yeah <laughs> But it was cool as hell <laughs> because you were like, I don't know what the hell this thing can do or if I can defeat it, but let's fucking go. <laughs> yeah, it's it's that's definitely kind of the difference between crunchy and non-crunchy games is that it's just how you end up playing at your table. And mm-hmm. some people need that and yeah. some people want that. And uh, some people really want to play a game. Versus some people really want to tell a story. Yeah. And I can respect both ways. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Like sometimes I do just want to play a game, but those nights I usually just ask if we can play a board game instead. Yeah. Because the rest of my table want to tell a story. And I know that. But I mean, like, that's why we also have Gloomhaven. You know, it's like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, do I want to play a game or do I want to tell a story? So it, it just depends on how you want to go about things. And as far as the other crunch goes and in, in the entirety of like <laughs> the best example I could think of is when your character in Pathfinder 2 was going to go on the inside of a worm. She was definitely going to get eaten. It was a great worm. And she's like, well, how am I going to get out? And we just kind of looked at the <laughs> the everlasting water, <laughs> right? Like, okay, well, how long <laughs> having it stop like unstopped at geyser speed, would you have to wait before it would oh puke you out? And you know what? There was a goddamn answer for that. It wasn't like, oh, I don't know, shrug, four rounds. It was, no, 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 let's find this out. It comes out at this speed. This worm is this size. And there was like actual some math to it. And you know what? I don't like crunch in that way, but it, I, I got a kick out of that. Because I know no other system would have allowed you to figure out an answer like that. I'll tell you this. There's a reason I cut my way out of it. (laughs) Because that conversation and my ADHD did not fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I know. And like, it was just like, this, this is the reason these, this is the reason why people enjoy crunch though, is because like 
no other way would you have gotten that answer. Any other way you would have had to have just accepted your DM's answer and continued on. Yeah, and like, I, I don't know. I, 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 there's a part of me that's like, yeah, it's cool that you could come up with that. But as far as like game and pace, I'm like, just make something up. Yeah. Like when it, when it comes to that stuff, I, I more lean on the side of like, just make something up. Either it's cool or it's detrimental. It, it, it really comes down to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think that's where they were trying to figure out was like, well, they didn't know whether it would be worth it or not. And so they actually wanted to use the numbers to figure that out. And I respect that. That was like I mentioned, I got a kick out of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but like, and then there's other parts of it where it's like, oh, encumbrance and, <laughs> and all those other things where it's like, you have to sit there and actually think about things and, and do the numbers. And I'm just like, I don't want to do with any of that. <laughs> <laughs> And so, yeah, I still, I I enjoy crunch because it does solidify the options that I do have. And it does definitely tell me things I can and can't do. And it gives me those, the, the right amount of restrictions. I don't like to call them restrictions. I just like to call them options. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I don't enjoy crunch in certain parts of the game because of pacing. Mm. Like, uh, I enjoy crunch more as a player than as a DM, I guess, is, is the best mm. way for me to put that. I think what's funny is I think I would like it more as a DM and not a player. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But I'm also more of like a I don't prep kind of DM. So, <laughs> oh, I'm not saying I would prep it. <laughs> it's just like the moment to moment combat. Like I could probably handle the crunch better as a DM mm-hmm. than as a player, because also I'm doing something actively every turn. I don't have a bunch of turns that I can just zone out on and, uh, you know, forget what I was going to do or forget what somebody else did. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I, I that's that's kind of kind of all I got on Crunch. What about, in, in, any last things that you want to point out about that? Um, all I can say is if you're figuring out whether Crunch is good or not for you, you and your friends, uh, read the table. <laughs> yep. There you go. You know? Read the table. Read the table. <laughs> well, that was our show for this week. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast and the thunder and lightning <laughs> and want to support it, the best way to do that is by leaving a review on your service of choice as well as telling your friends about the show. If you'd like your questions, advice, or stories right on the show, please send them into difficultyclass at gmail.com. Uh, and if you'd like to stay up to date on the show, you can follow us on Twitter at difficultyclass as well. So, until next week, have a good game.